0: Amen, amen. Merry Christmas, how's everyone doing? I know it's not Christmas yet, I know, and it's next week. Don't rush me, Pastor Matt. But uh, so glad that you're all here today, so happy. Hey, uh, we're gonna start off, there's a um, word of knowledge. So there's someone here, and you said in your heart, um, you actually, we believe you said it during worship, you said, maybe next year, Lord. There's something you've been waiting on from the Lord and with it being so close to the end of the year, you said, um, maybe next year, Lord. Is that you? No, 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 we don't want to embarrass anybody, but there's more of this word that needs to be delivered, and if that's you, we want to pray for you and, and, and bring that word to you. Is that anybody? Nobody? Okay. I thought it was two or three people. You? Okay. Anyone else? Janice? Okay. Stephanie, can you, and Sue? I thought there was three. Honestly, I thought there was three. Stephanie, can you pray for them? Right now. (laughs) Amen. 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 Thank you. Listen, you know, um, the, the most wonderful time of the year is here, and the most wonderful Uh, thing about this time of the year isn't what the song says. (laughs) It's not what the song says, right? We're going to go over that in a minute. But the most wonderful time of the year is, is now, and the reason why is because everywhere you go, we're talking about Jesus. Everywhere you go, it's lit up for Jesus. Everywhere you go, we're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating Jesus. We're celebrating him come to earth. It's the presence of God it hits a different way at this time of the year you know the reason why we all love to come here on a Sunday morning isn't to hear me speak although I I thank you guys I mean you guys are wonderful you're gracious I know that you, you say that but the reality is and the reason why you really enjoy being in the building is because of the presence of God that's here it was so sweet here during worship it was so sweet. There was such a sweet, tangible presence of the Lord that we can tap into. And it's that presence that changes and shifts the atmosphere. God is still alive on planet Earth. God is still speaking to his people. God is still moving. God is still doing things. And he does things by his presence. He does things through his spirit. And we as Christians, we get to tap into that. We get to live with that on the inside of us. Jesus on the inside of us. My heart, Christ's home, will you make room? I'm not, getting it, I'm not going to get into next week's message, but I'm going to give you a little teaser. Will you make room? We sang the song, we make space, we make room. For what? For the presence of God in my life. And as we have the presence of God in our life, As we have the presence of God in our life, peace comes, joy comes, patience comes, faithfulness comes. You you weren't able to do it on your own, but when the presence of God comes into your life, you can be faithful in that thing. Faithfulness comes from the presence of God. It all flows from Him. It all flows from knowing Him, knowing who He is, intimately and deeply. We sang that song, It Is Well, with my soul. And um, what a wonderful song. And uh, if you don't know the story behind the song, it's an amazing story. Uh, The man who wrote the song was a very rich man. He was a businessman. He was very, very rich. And he lost everything in the Chicago Fire. Lost his entire fortune. Insurance wasn't the same back then, he lost everything. His family was saved, wife and I believe four four daughters. And so uh, after losing everything in Chicago, they moved to New York and he started over. And so he was doing business in New York and things were going okay. But there was an opportunity for him across the pond, if you will, across the ocean in England. And so as he stayed in New York to tie up a few loose ends, He sent his wife and daughters ahead of him to England to begin to find the home and settle and and get all of that. And on the way, the boat sank, and his family, his daughters drowned. Only his wife survived. So he gets on the next boat to go and be with his wife as she grieves. And as he gets to the place where the boat went down, the captain who was captaining the ship stopped, came to the man and said, this is this place where the boat went down and where your daughters drowned. And he wrote, from that moment, he wrote, it is well with my soul. <laughs> yeah, wow, wow. Is it, well with, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? The song goes on to say, we only sing the one part, but the song goes on to say, no matter my lot, The Lord has taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. (laughs) Trials will come, challenges will come, things will not go the way that you thought that they were going to go. But when we are so familiar with the presence of the Lord and when we discipline ourselves with the presence of the Lord, when we learn to grieve properly, We will have taught ourselves to say, it is well with my soul. You know what, God? I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. But you know what, God? It is well with my soul. You know what, God? This didn't go the way that I thought that it was going to go. But you know what, God? It is well with my soul. God, I'm going to trust you no matter what the outcome looks like. Because a lot of times, we have a preconceived notion about how we want the outcome to come out. Needed more breath there, and I didn't have it. We have a preconceived notion about how we want the outcome to come out. But the reality is, is are we okay? We have to come to a place where we will still say it is well with my soul, even if I don't get what I thought I was going to get. This is the discipline of the Lord. And we get this through the presence of God. It's through the presence of God. Just... Just one look, just one touch of his garment, just one look of his eye, just one glance. It'll set you on a course. God, your guys, your life will never be the same. All we need is just one touch of his garment, one touch of his hand, one look of his eye. You will never be the same. The presence of God changes people. It changes people, changes them from the inside out. You are a new creation in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Someone needs to hear that today. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. You are a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Stop thinking the way that you thought. When we repent of things, it means to change the way that we think about them. It's one, there's three meanings to most Hebrew words. One, of the words. one of the meanings behind repent is that we change the way that we think. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Basically, he's saying, hey, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm here. I've brought my kingdom with me. And unless you change the way you think, you can't enter into what I've brought. I've brought the best stuff with me. I've brought joy, peace, uh, joy, peace, love, kindness, all of this stuff. I brought it with me, and it's free. You can have it all, but you have to repent, change the way that you think, and then you can walk in the kingdom with me and have all of these fruits. Wow, that was good. (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of the year. Most wonderful time of the year, Amen. Yeah, it's an Andy Williams song. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Kids jingle belling, everyone telling you, "Be." I won't sing the whole thing. You're welcome. Kids jingle belling, everyone telling you, "Be of good cheer." Happiest season of all. Holiday greetings, gay, happy meetings where friends come to call. Parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, caroling out in the snow. Tales of the glories of long, tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Much mistletoeing, sign me up. Hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of the year. And so we read, I read through the lyrics of that song, or we sing that song, and we, and, you know, you can approach approach that one of two ways. You can approach that and say, yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Or you could approach that and be like, it's the most stressful time of the year. (laughs) And so what's our, what, how are, how are we viewing it, guys? How are we entering into it? How are we walking into it? How are we letting it sink into our souls? Kids jingle-belling. You know, the kids, they will not put down that Christmas noisemaker thing. You know, it used to be jingle bells. They have little electronic things now. Christmas, 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 Christmas. Jingle, jingle, jingle. jingle. Right? They just won't stop. They just won't stop with it. So is it a, is it a joy to hear the noise? or is it an irritation at this point to hear the noise? Because mo- <laughs> this is the question that we're really asking today, right? This is the question that we're really, let's get down to brass tacks, okay? I- I'm gonna talk to you about this for the next 15 minutes or so. But brass tacks, let's get down to it. Let's throw the question right out there at, at the start. Here's the point of the message. How, how are you viewing it? Kids jingle-belling. Kids making all kinds of ruckus. Kids making ruckus. There's an old time saying, kids should be seen and not heard. Disagree. Kids should be heard. They bring a certain joy to the room that you can't get through other people. You know, older people can make noise, but it's not as joyful as when a little kid does it. (laughs) I don't know why you guys think that's funny. It's just true. Maybe it's funny because it is true. Everyone telling you, be of good cheer. You know, I don't understand why these people are all so happy all the time. What's up with everybody wanting to be happy and wanting me to be happy? Just let me be alone in my misery. Said I never. (laughs) It occurred to me, um, it occurred to me this week as I I thought about this message and was talking with my wife, a bunch of other stuff going on. And so it occurred to me this week that um, you guys know that I'm joyful, right? That's no secret. My life verse, consider it pure joy when you come into various trials for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance so that you may be sure you're complete lacking no good thing, right? Joy, 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 joy. And so um, as I talked about this with my wife this week, I, I said, you know, I said, I think people are surprised to find out that I'm just happy all the time. I'm and I use the word happy interchangeably with joyful. I'm joyful all the time. I'm never not joyful. See, uh, there's a, I believe there's a misconception where people might think that I'm joyful most of the time, but then there's still a period of time where I'm not joyful. Now, don't get me wrong. There are moments and there are seasons and there are days and there are hours where I'm not joyful. But it's not like I'm joyful with all, you know, 500 people, and then there's three people where I'm not joyful, and those are my miserable people. <laughs> right? Kind of like the same way you have a junk drawer right the, the whole house is clean it's spotless it's it's spotless it's immaculate it's the most clean house I've ever walked in in my life and then you're going through the kitchen looking for a knife and you open up this one drawer and things just blow out of it it explodes you're like good god it's the junk drawer we all have one right we just stuff anything that doesn't make sense we stuff it I have people are people are raising their hands put your hands down we, we all we know we all have one you're stuffing it, put it, get it back in, get it back in. And so, you know, it's not, with joy, it's not the same way. We don't have to, have, you know, have 500 joyful friends and then the three miserable ones. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll only complain to these three people and it'll look like I'm joyful. It'll look that way. But I want you to really be it. I want you to really be it. I want it to be authentic. It's the authenticity of joy that, 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 that changes our heart, that that brings us joy. All right, I don't know how I got off onto that. People telling you, be of good cheer. Everywhere you go, Merry Christmas, have a happy holiday. I'm not offended, by the way, I'm not offended when people say, have a happy holiday. I just say, yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. That's fine. You want to wish me a greeting? I'm going to wish you a greeting. I've got a Jewish friend. This isn't my rabbi friend. This is another Jewish friend who's... Um, He's not as, um, what do I want to say? He doesn't go to church every Sunday, that kind of, that kind of a Jewish friend. And so um, when I see him, he says, uh, he says, Merry Christmas to me, knowing that I'm a Christian. So I tell him, Happy Hanukkah, because I know he's Jewish. That's fine. I have no problem with that. That's who he is. We talk about Jesus. He, he knows where I am. He feels me. Everyone telling you, greet. Be of good cheer. Everywhere you go, people are greeting us. The happiest season of all, is it? (laughs) Holiday greetings, covered that already. Gay happy meetings. You know, we go everywhere we go. People are always happy. Tired of going to these meetings. Tired of all the parties. Can we just stay home? Where friends come to call. People are always coming over the house, you know? I'm tired of Christmas. People are always coming over the house. You always got to keep the house in order. I'm doing doing my best to complain here, guys. I'm not good at it. I'm not used to it, so bear with me. Parties for hosting. I got to clean up the house so that a whole bunch of people can come over, and then I get to clean up the house again. This is great. Let's host a party. Oh, that sounds like fun. (laughs) Marshmallows for toasting. Pound, laying on the pounds, right? Another marshmallow, another five pounds, another marshmallow, another five pounds. We could substitute cookies, cake, whatever kind of treats. This is the most wonderful time of the year, man. You got that holiday 15 going on yet? Caroling out in the snow. I hate singing. I don't even have a good voice. (laughs) And snow, I got a shovel, salt. You know, someone's going to slip and fall. Slip and fall? Slip, trip, and fall. We do slip and fall, not slip, trip, and fall. Snow. Whose idea was snow? Why do we have to have snow? Maybe we'll move south, no snow. Tales of the glory of Christmases long ago. You know, Grandma, when she tells that story, she doesn't even get it right anymore. It it was four birds, and then it's up to like 27. You guys can feel me. You guys all have these relatives that keep changing the story every year. It used to be four birds. It's up to 27. I'm telling you that the story was better and more effective when she only had the four birds. I don't know why. She's, she's got to feel like she's got to keep increasing it. I think she thinks that there's more faith there when she keeps increasing. The... <laughs> Much mistletoeing. How many people do I have to kiss? Who's idea, who hung this mistletoe? They have mistletoe in that house? I'm not going in. hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. Are we talking about a warm, fuzzy love glow, or are we talking about the angry, angry glow of like, ah, if he says it one more time. (laughs) So I pause here and let us reflect. And so is it the most wonderful time of the year? Do we allow it to be the most wonderful time of the year? Or is it the most stressful time of the year? And really, what's the difference? The difference is the internal conversation that we have in our mind. What are you thinking? What are you saying to yourself? What what is your thought process going on? The Bible tells us that we should take every thought captive. Every thought. It doesn't say that we should take a few thoughts captive. It doesn't say that we should take Thoughts captive when we remember to. It says that we should take every thought captive. And so when you have a thought, I've, I've, I've disciplined my thought life a long, long, long time ago. I've disciplined my thought life a long, long, long time ago. And this is part of the reason why I'm able to have joy and peace and all of the fruits of the Spirit is because I have done the work of disciplining my thought life. And I'm here to tell you, it takes work to discipline your thought life. You have to, number one, you have to learn to recognize a thought when it comes, especially if you're not used to recognizing thoughts. Number two, evaluate the thought. Is this thought good or is this thought bad? Is this thought from God or is this thought from the enemy? And then you need to evaluate what do I do with the thought? If it's a thought from the enemy, I can get rid of it quick. But if it's a thought from the Lord, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to pray about this? Am I going to act on it? And am I going to take what kind of of an action am I going to take because of this word that has come, this thought that has come? Or is this thought just of myself? And is it revealing something deeper? And do I need to process that in another way? And so it really comes back to our thought life. And so is it the most wonderful time of the year for you? Or is it the most stressful time of the year for you? You don't have to answer that. Please don't answer that. It's the most wonderful time of the year for me, and here's why. Because everywhere I go, they're talking about Jesus. Merry Christmas. Yes, indeed. You bring him up, we're going to have a conversation. What do you do for Christmas? Do you go to church for Christmas? I'd like to invite you to church for Christmas. Everywhere I go, they're talking about Jesus. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you go to church? I'd like to invite you to church. Sometimes it's just that simple. It really depends on how much interaction I'm going to have with the person. If it's a more meaningful, if it's a more meaningful relationship that I've established and I have with the person, there's going to be a much different conversation there. What kind of, what kind of. Um, What kind of traditions do you do for Christmas? See, this is what we're talking about here, most wonderful time of the year. What kind of traditions do you do? And so part of the reason why we get to the point where Christmas becomes stressful is because we have 10 traditions, and then we hear of everybody else having other traditions, and so we find five more that we want, and we pile those on top of the 10 that we have. Well, guys, you just ran out of time, 12. uh, You ran out of time three traditions ago. And so now you're trying to stuff into the... The, the, the space of 10 traditions where you're able to do 10 things, you're trying to stuff 25 traditions in there, and you're not enjoying any of them. It's the most wonderful time of the year because everyone's talking about Jesus. It's the most wonderful time of the year because they're talking about my best friend. My best friend. It's the most wonderful time of the year because there's an open door of opportunity to talk about God pretty much everywhere I go. It's the most wonderful time of the year because everywhere I go there's an opportunity for me to share God's love, even if it's just dropping a dollar, a couple dollars in the, the bell ringer's bucket outside the door at Walmart. It's good to have our traditions and I think that we should have traditions. It helps us to remember but we need to be open to allow things to change as well. And change will often happen more naturally at different changes of seasons of your life. But just be open to that. God is the only unchanging, immutable thing that we will ever see. Let's read some scripture. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken, through the, spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his his name Jesus. We read this story every Christmas. Uh, When the kids were little, we had a um, tradition, talk about traditions, we had a tradition where we moved the nativity, uh, we moved Mary and Joseph and the donkey every day. We would position the nativity in one part of the house, and then we would put all the little pieces there with it, except for baby Jesus. We'd wrap him and put him under the tree with all the other gifts. And then Mary and Joseph and the donkey would start on the other end of the house, and every day we'd move them closer, and closer, and closer, and closer. And so as we moved them closer, we gave the kids candy, right? Why'd we give them candy? Because they're gonna remember candy. They may forget about moving Mary and Joseph and the donkey, but they're gonna remember the candy. And so there's a little, right? There's a little sweet treat there so that they remember. And then the other thing that we did while we were moving Mary and Joseph and the donkey, step by step by step, is we kept reading scriptures referring to the birth of Jesus. And so every year we would read through this scripture, we'd read through Luke, we'd read through this scripture again, we'd read through Luke again. And so there's only so many scriptures. Trust me, I know. We've looked them up. We'd read from Isaiah and the prophet. And then you get to a point and you're just like, all right, let's read it again. All right, we'll read it again. All right, we'll read it again. Again, again, again. What happens? You just remember it. And so we would read the scriptures over and over and over again. I want to go back, and I just want to uh, go through a, just a little slower this time. So bear with me. It says, now Je- the birth of Jesus was as followed. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. After Joseph and Mary were engaged, right, betrothed. is another word for engaged. They're engaged She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That seems inconvenient. How many people are you going to tell, it's God? And how many people are going to believe you? And how much, uh, uh, you know, are people going to look down upon you and be like, listen to the story she's making up. Listen to the story she's making up. I'm sure that they were not looked upon favorably because of what happened to them. As much as we want to say, she was carrying the Messiah. Most, I don't think, recognized it. Elizabeth did. That's a great story. I I don't have time to go there today. It's already too late. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a public example of her, letting everybody know that she had sex with somebody else, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. How does that work? Let's not ask, because we don't want to try and imagine that because you're going to imagine it wrong. Trust me. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save their people from their sins." So all this was done so that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph, being aroused from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. There was no way this was getting messed up. There's no way this was getting messed up. God had this plan. This plan was in place from the foundations of the earth. And so when it came time, God just started sending angels kind of like, you know, without, without regard. He sends an angel to Zachariah. Hey, your son is going to be John the Baptist and he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. John says, how do I know that? You'll be mute until he's born. Boom, done. An angel visits Mary. Says, hey, listen, this is what's going to go on. And Mary says, how can that happen? How can that happen? Much more humble answer. And so the angel explains. Note, note, note the, word that, the wording that the angel uses and the greeting that the angel gives to Mary when, when he sees Mary. He says, highly favored one. I believe I'm favored of the Lord. I don't know that I'm highly favored of the Lord. I want to be, but I don't know that I am. Mary, highly favored of the Lord. Many denominational churches will take and put Mary, elevate Mary to a place of um, uh, that's too high. And, and uh, certain denominational churches will pray to Mary. Nothing in, in Scripture tells us to do that. As much as Mary is highly favored, we should, we should never pray to her. That's not what Scripture indicates. We shouldn't do that. Um, but I think that in non-denominational circles, we've made the opposite mistake of not elevating, not giving enough honor to Mary. Highly favored one. And so God visits her with an angel. And then an angel, angel appears to the shepherds. And then a multitude of heavenly hosts appears to the shepherds. And then the angel appears to Joseph. Joseph. And then the angel appears to Joseph again and says, go to Egypt. And then an angel appears to Joseph again and says, come out of Egypt. And then an angel appears to the, to the wise men. Or no, I'm sorry, they didn't have a, an angel appear to them. They, they, it was a dream. It says, don't go back to Herod. And so angel after angel after angel, visitation after visitation after visitation. Listen, you're not going to mess this up. This is what I need you to do. <laughs> come on. If we consider the story of Joseph and Mary, put yourself in, those sho- in their shoes for a moment. Most of us here in this room were beyond the age that they were at. They were probably, uh, Mary was probably in her teens, mid to late teens. Joseph was probably around 20 years old or so. So just imagine yourself back at that age. That's going back for most of us in the room. A few of you, you, you might move forward a little bit. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about all the dreams and aspirations and plans you had for your life at that time. And then understand, and then understand what God was asking them to do. Mary, you're gonna be, be pregnant with a child that's gonna come from God. What? Joseph. I know you're engaged. I know your fiancé is pregnant, but I'm here to tell you that that's from God, and you are to marry her and take care of her and take care of the child. I know you have plans for your life, but I have a plan, and I need you to go to Egypt right now. (laughs) Okay, Joseph, it's time to come back from Egypt. And so think of the inconvenience that it was. And what does Mary say? Mary's words are, Behold the maidservant of your Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold the maidservant of your Lord. You know what, if that's what God wants, then that's what I want to do. If that's what God wants, then that's what I want to do. That's not in my plan. That's not in my that's not in my plan, that's not in my five-year plan, that's not in my 10-year plan. As a matter of fact, I can take my five-year plan, and I can take my 10-year plan, and I can just pretty much set them on fire because I don't know that that's ever going to happen now. And this is the position that Mary and Joseph found themselves in. And when they responded, they said, yeah, yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. Why? Because the presence of the Lord The presence of the Lord is so sweet. Serving the Lord is so much fun that they couldn't imagine doing anything else. How does Mary get to be one who is highly favored of the Lord? Because she had already had, she had to have already had some history with God. How is it that Mary and Joseph get to be the ones that are entrusted with Jesus? Because God knew them. He knew them before they were born, but he knew them, he knew who they were. They were people who were acquainted with the things of God. It says that every year they went up to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It's not something that everyone, every Jewish person would have done every year. They would have done it maybe every other year, every couple of years, every few years. Only the most devout people would go every year. And it tells us in scripture that Mary and Joseph, they went up every year. Luke chapter 2, we're going to wrap it up with this scripture here. When they, the shepherds, had seen Jesus, had seen the baby being born in the major, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so the, the shepherds, they're out in the field. Angel comes, tells them, hey, listen, Jesus is born this day in the town of Bethlehem. Go and check it out. This is what the angel comes and says. I'm paraphrasing. Check it out. It's slang for today. They would have said it if it was back then, if, if they came today. They say, all right, let's go check this out. They go down to the the manger. Sure enough, it it happened just the way the angel told them. And so then they leave, and what does it say? It says they went out, and they told everybody that they could see. Hey, Jesus was born. This angel came to us in the field and told us that the Savior, the Messiah, was going to be born. And we went down right where the angel told us to go, and sure enough, he was there. It was amazing. The power of God was in the place. I'm sure they said something like that probably got a little bit more into into detail about the angel visitation. I can't imagine not wanting to tell somebody about that. It says they told everybody that they saw about the event. We're here today. The event's already happened, even though we're gonna celebrate it next week. And so, everywhere you go this week, Tell people about what happened. Tell people about the the miraculous, about Jesus coming. Tell people that he's still alive today. He's still speaking today. He's still working today. He still brings hope and joy today. He still brings healing and restoration today. He is still in the business of helping people today. This is why he came. This is why he came. And so as you go this week, uh, pick up some invite cards. If you didn't pick some up last week, I'm sure there's some more out there, little invite cards, will you make room? This is the, the Christmas message that we're gonna share next week. There's information on the back. It's real simple, invite someone to church, hand them a card, take a picture of it, text it to your friends, text it to those that you're in relationship with, that you've been talking to about God. Don't wait until you run into them to give them a card, text them ahead of time. Tell them, hey, listen, come to church with me next week. I'll save you a seat. I'll save you a seat. It says, uh, statistics show that it takes about 10 invitations for someone to come to church. And so if you've tried five times, you've only got five more to go. (laughs) Come on. the Law of average is going to catch up with one one of these days. It's going to happen eventually. Don't give up hope. Those people that you've invited for years and years, continue to invite. And as you're out there this week, here and there, everywhere as you go, share God's love. Sometimes sometimes we need to invite people to church. Sometimes we need to, uh, you know, tell them about Jesus, lead them to the Lord. I hope that you're all ready to do that. I know that some of you are. But sometimes we just need to share God's love with people. And in sharing God's love, we're actually opening the door to be able to tell them more. And so be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as you do all of those things. Let's just stop and pray. Can we do that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence that's here in this room. And God, we pray that your presence would go with us this week as we go. That you would fill our hearts with your love and your peace and your joy with all that you are, God. And God, that we would be ready to tell. The same, way that the, the same way that the shepherds told everyone that they saw, it's happened. It's happened. It has happened. God, empower us to be able to share the love of God with others, share the good news of Christ, that his kingdom is here on the earth. And God, help us to walk in it each day better and better. God, we thank you. We give you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Elizabeth, come on up and receive the offering.
1: Thank you, Pastor Matt. Um, There are multiple ways to give here at Redeeming Love. Uh, There's cards in the chair backs in front of you. Uh, There's a slide up there on the screen that gives you all the different ways, so you can look up there. Um, If you are giving to Kingdom Builders, please mark it on your envelope for Kingdom Builders. Um, And be specific, please. That really helps us. Um, I just want to say, you know, this time of year, a lot goes out, right? We're constantly, constantly, you know, like, check, check it off the list. Who's on my list? Did I get them the gift? What did I do? You know, is it going? Things give out. But, you know, the best thing we can give out is something that gives return. And our tithe and offering gives return. Um, It gives return in salvations. It gives return in feeding people who wouldn't have food. It gives return in um, benevolence, especially this time of year for people who maybe are really struggling. And, um, you know, it not only helps maybe put a turkey on their table, but maybe a few little things under the tree. And that's what we do. That's what we do with the tithe and offering. We don't keep it. We're not hoarders. We don't have a huge bank account. Um, We give it back out into the community and into God's kingdom. To see even more people flourishing in God's kingdom. Um, you know, that single act of kindness, Pastor mentioned during his message, you know, putting a couple bucks in the thing outside of Walmart. Well, how many of us could do that but have stopped doing that? Just because, you know, a lot of us don't carry cash anymore or whatever, or because we just think, well, they collect enough, right? And we can sometimes have that attitude with our tithe and offering, like, you know, I'm just going to hold back a little because tis the season, you know, but I would just encourage you to keep on doing and really pray as we come into the new year, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this? What should I be giving? What should be tithe? What should be offering? Because God is going to speak to you and then people are going to get saved and people are going to get helped. But more importantly, God is going to change the way you think about what you give. Amen? Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Father God, we thank you that you give to us, and we want to freely give. Lord, we will look for the more unfortunate this season and help in any way we can. Change our hearts to do that, Lord. Bless this offering to everywhere it goes, Lord, every can of soup every every act of kindness lord god even the bills we have to pay bless it in your name in jesus name amen um i want to just remind you that again if you are a first time visitor please go to the connect corner also the meeting for uh the angel tree delivery team is going to be in engaged church and next week is christmas eve so we look forward to seeing all of you then amen have a great week Oh, yep, don't want to forget, there will be prayer under the screens. So if you have a need, come to under the screens. There will be people there to pray for you. Thank you, Pastor Steve.